Good morning, Loveland. I'm Mike Meldon, and this is the Loveland Weekly Podcast, brought to you by Gina Dubell-Smith, EXP Realty, and Stone Pillar Farms. The Grail, or Grailville, has been in the news a lot lately, and we'll talk a bit, little bit about that later. Um, and we have a lot of events there, my nonprofit called Love Our Land. But when I speak to people about the Grail, they seem to know little about it, uh, its history, or oftentimes they've never heard of it. And so I thought it'd be interesting podcast to talk to somebody that knows a lot about the Grail. And so I did. I met with a woman that has been a member at the Grail for decades, and she's also a staff member there, Mary Lou Legman. And we got to talking about uh, the history of the Grail and her role, and I might have to divide this into a couple different episodes. So this episode is going to mainly just focus on the history of this organization that lies just less than a mile from downtown Loveland that many of us may not be quite sure of what's going on up there. Enjoy. Today is Monday, July 3rd, 2023. Okay, well, the Grail started in Holland in 1920s uh, by a Jesuit priest and five of his women students. His thought at the time was that um, the world is missing the opportunity to utilize women's talents and that women have a lot to bring to transforming the world. And he pursued this from a spiritual uh, base. And uh, that is pretty much where the grail has been coming from all of these years, that spiritual base and the empowerment of women. Uh, then um, in the, the five women initially kind of split up the world and decided they were going to go to different places. And so um, one woman went to Australia, and then someone um, who went to Australia died and had to be replaced. But in the meantime, two women had headed off to North America and so they couldn't be diverted to Australia in those days. The story is that they came on the last boat out of Holland before Hitler took over. Now, I've also heard that's just a story. They came on one of the last boats, I'm sure of that. And they came to New York um, and found that the money they had was no good anymore. So they were pretty much at the mercy of whatever might happen. Um, and they had been invited initially by the Archbishop of Chicago to come to his diocese and work there. That's okay. um, and uh, in the meantime, the Archbishop died. And so here they were with no money and um, an invitation that wasn't good anymore. And uh, they were met in New York by, um, by Catherine Leahy, who was one of the original members of the Grail and who spent her, practically her entire career at Grailville here. 
but uh, in the meantime, they, they did go to the Archdiocese of Chicago, uh, settled into a camp there in Libertyville, Illinois, and um, were asked by the then Archbishop to run a camp for boys. And uh, they, they did that for a bit, but decided this is not their mission. Right. <laughs> and so they divided up. She, uh, Ledwin van Kersbergen and Joan Overboss were the two women who came, and they gathered around them a number of young women, a few young women, and then they set out looking for a place to call home <clears throat> that would fit with their mission. And they ended up coming to Cincinnati. Um, the Archbishop in Cincinnati welcomed them and gave a loan to initially make the initial purchase of Grailville. And um, so the story there is that they were looking for a place, they, and there was a place down the road a bit that they went to see, um, down O'Bannonville Road, and um, decided it was too small, wasn't going to work for a number of reasons. But when they passed this place with the Victorian house and all the buildings, they said, this is the place. Well, it wasn't for sale. But they talked the owner into selling it to them anyhow. That's crazy. <laughs> I just assumed that they were built by the Grail. No, no. What happened then is that as, as time went on, then they had all this space. There was, it was on a farm, um, and the women were running the farm. More women came. They started immediately doing programming and inviting women to programs. And the women would come and become fascinated, become inspired, and would come back and be, be here for what was then called the year school, which was a year-long program. So that gave some stability. And then as the women came, and if they stayed longer, they would become staff, and it just grew from there. So it was on a farm. They were milking the cows. Um, the farmer that had worked for the previous owner stayed on for a while until the women could take, it, take the whole thing on themselves. So um, it was uh, you know, quite a challenge, but, but they did it, and they ran some wonderful programs, which was proven by the fact that so many women wanted to come back and work with the Grail. Um, those programs were really designed to empower women to build a strong spiritual base. Now this was all Roman Catholic to start with and was in the early days, 40s, 50s, and into the 60s. Um, and so the life was based on kind of a um, work and prayer sort of modality. And so there was time for prayer in the day. People worked. There was study, a lot of study. There were classes held where uh, the women who had become staff would be teaching the others in uh, various uh, skills, in various um, the arts, um, in spirituality, and liturgy was a big focus, and uh, farming, of course. 
and um, uh, the domestic arts as well. There was a whole arts program that was developed too over time. And that arts program became quite large and developed into a kind of a business that helped to sustain the place as well. As well as the women coming initially would pay tuition to come to programs. Um, the women who were on the staff here were working for just for subsistence and room and board, basically. And it was a, um, it, 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 everyone was very mission-oriented and wanting to make it work. There wasn't, um, nobody was paid big bucks in those days. And that, that went on, that year school modality went on until until the mid to late 60s, somewhere in there. And then it was, there were fewer women able to come because they had to be on about getting a college education, uh, getting their families taken care of and so on. Uh, so getting married and that kind of thing. And also another thing that was happening at the time is that the staff wanted to move on and do some other things. Get out in the world and talk about transforming the world. So, so people moved on, both staff and students, and there were fewer staff and fewer students coming. And so that's when um, they were, did some programs with colleges uh, then in those days uh, where students would come who were enrolled in a college and they would get credit for the various programs they participated on site. And um, that was another whole program effort that was a bit different from the year school because the year school was very much residential, very much an integrated life style. How many what, people during the year school Approximately, how many people would come for that time for the year? For the year, we would have anywhere from 50 to 70 wow. people here, which included staff and students. And they, if you can't went to the year school, you stayed here, or you, did yeah. you have to? No, you, you you lived here and you worked here and studied what here a and you, yeah, 50 to 70 people. That's yeah. a lot. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but they have, in the 1960s, that started to fall off. So you needed to figure out right. how to keep it rolling. And so it was, a, it was more people coming. They would come for classes. Or, they would or, come for as part of their part of their college program. It was a field placement before field placements really became popular right. at colleges, um, and it um, and so a number of students came to those programs. But eventually, that became a popular thing with college classes and a lot more opportunities for, for, uh, for uh, placements came to be. And there were, again, fewer staff to, to manage such a program. Um, so then, the, then it went from there to becoming a retreat center where the facilities would be rented out to other groups to come and uh, have their own programs, pro do their own programs. And at the same time, concurrent with that, we would be doing some programs as well. And so that went on for a number of years and uh, really only ended 
more recently. And people would, could come and, and they would stay here. Um, early in our programming efforts, we were attracting a national audience. Um, but then as time went on, it became much more local. And so um, toward the end, the retreat center wasn't doing as well financially. It wasn't really able to support itself. And that's when we had to close the retreat center. Um, and then, um, so then I guess we're where we are now, <laughs> yeah. um, where we're selling. We've sold 120 acres to the Claremont County Park District, a couple of other small pieces, and now we're looking to sell another 109 acres. And what's left over here? How many acres are on this side? And 70 acres. We will retain 70 acres. And that 70 acres, we are hoping to do a lot of different things with. We're we, we, we want to remain true to our initial vision and maintain those values, but find the ways that are pertinent and ways that are applicable and relevant to now. In Loveland City News, Good news if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in the Grail. Part of the land that the Grail is meaning to sell off has now been approved by our city council to go into negotiations with the Cardinal Conservancy. And they are an environmental group that, at least for my personal reasons, I'm very happy that they're getting involved in this and hopefully going to own the land one day. Looking ahead in Lovell, Trailside Tunes, Voodoo Child, on Saturday, July 8th, from 1 to 3 p.m. at the new gazebo at Nisbet Park. And tomorrow is the big 4th of July party in Loveland. I spoke about it the last podcast, so if you need details, you can check that out or go uh, online. But there's plenty to do all day long for everyone of all ages. I hope to see you there, and have a happy 4th of July. We have something truly special here in Loveland. Thank you for listening, and have a great week.